0: Let's pray and let's go. Dear God, oh, we've come, we're coming out of such, a, such a, a high week with our friend David Asherick. What you did, we praise you. We praise you for his gifts and for the unselfish way he poured himself out morning and night for these nine days. We thank you. We praise you. Where do we go from here? What shall we do? engage our minds, address our hearts in the teaching of the Word this morning. We all humbly pray in Christ's name. Amen. I tell you what, I, I personally was very much blessed by the ministry of my friend, David I Amen. Please. Not since 98 have we seen this church filled at night. He struck a chord on this campus. He struck a chord in all of our hearts and minds. And this metaphor of his... Oh, is this the same one? It sure is. This is the table of truth. The metaphor of the table of truth was brilliant. I told him. I said, Dave, that's just brilliant. I'll never forget it. He says, get everything off of this table, all the truths that you've accumulated. Let's start over. And he did. And he said, listen, we're going to have to put something up there. It ought to be probably the, the shining, defining truth of this universe. And so, let me go over here and pick up this little vase of flowers. Dave said he couldn't fax the flowers out to us, so we'd have to get our own. So we did. But you remember, he started out with this little vase. He said, listen, let's start off with the shining, defining truth of the universe, and it's three words long. God is love. Yeah. So we got to go back. We, 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 have to, we have to begin there in our journey, post this is my church meetings. Fifty-eight people made decisions Friday night for baptism. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Fifty-eight people, hundreds of us, recovenanted with Christ in that relationship. Some for the first time. But all with the understanding, the bouquet is the shining, defining truth that goes on that truth table. The truth about God, that He is love. Jose mentioned this a moment ago, and I, I want to affirm that. I really do believe That what God did through David, what God did in our midst, is not unrelated to this campus and this campus congregation taking 90 days this summer and claiming that solitary promise. We have been claiming it and claiming it. You heard him quoted a moment ago. I'll put it on the screen for you in case you didn't catch it. God speaking, I will do a new thing. I will pour water on those who are thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Campus and congregation have been claiming that since this summer, I believe what we saw here was, a, was, was God himself saying, okay, you asked. You really want me to do a new thing? Watch. I, receive was, I received last week as God's down payment on the fulfillment of this promise. I believe there's more to come. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is why we can't, we can't stop praying. We can't say, well, we got it now. Whoa, wasn't that great? No, it's not great enough. We need this world set ablaze and it'll start from Andrews University. We keep praying and praying and praying. So what's what's the next step that we take? Oh, by the way, I love this promise. Put it in my blog today. Look at Philippians 1 6. He who began a let's read it out loud together. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. What God began last week, he's going to continue. He's going to bring it to completion. We can take courage, but we have to keep praying. You're a college student, keep praying. Your faculty member, keep praying. Community, you keep praying. Your visitor, keep praying. We keep praying. So where do we go? What's the next step? I'm not in the habit of quoting Bono, the lead singer of U2, from the pulpit anyway. But in the foreword he wrote to Jeffrey Sachs' book, The End of Poverty, Economic Possibilities for Our Times, Bono makes a disturbing point that may become the hint to the next step we need to take post asterisk. I want to put his words on the screen, but first grab your study guide, because we've got to jot a few words. These are Bono's words. Grab your study guide. It's in your worship bulletin today. Thank you, friendly ushers. Hold your hands up. If you don't uh, have a study guide, you came in without a worship bulletin, I want you to have this, please. Up in the balcony as well. Hold your hands up. Let's go. Oh, by the way, while we're getting it out, those of you watching on uh, television right now, we're delighted to have you live streaming anywhere in the world. We're glad to have you. Let me give you that website. You already know it if you're live streaming, of course, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for this teaching today called Don't Cry But Do. You've seen these posters on campus, Don't Cry But Do. We've got a couple more that have to do with, with crying before we hit the holidays. Don't cry, but do. When you find that, click on there and you get the study guide. You'll have the Bono quote as well. All right, keep your hand up. They're coming, but we're going to move. Let's put uh, Bono's words. This is the foreword he wrote for a Sacks, Jeffrey Sachs book. 15,000 Africans. You can write the number 15,000. thousand. will be quicker for you. 15,000 Africans are dying each day of preventable, treatable diseases, AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis, for lack of drugs that we take for granted. This statistic alone makes a fool of the idea many of us hold on to very tightly, the idea of equality. Now, hold on. Deep down, if we really accept that their lives, African lives, are equal to ours, we would all be doing more to put the fire out. It is an uncomfortable truth, isn't it? If we really believed... That we were equal. Now, Bono cuts the chase. Here we go. We can be the generation. Guess what? You and I. We can be the generation that no longer accepts that an accident of latitude. Those are those bands that go up to the North Pole from the equator up. Those are the latitudes. We cannot. We can be the generation that no longer accepts that an accident of latitude. The fact that we got born up here where health care is great and you got born down here too bad. We cannot accept that as an accident Determining whether a child lives or dies. But will we be that generation? Keep reading. We can't say that our generation didn't know how to do it. We can't say that our generation couldn't afford it. And we can't say that our generation didn't have reason to do it. It's up to us. End quote. So put your study guide aside now. Here's the question. Bono's right, isn't he? It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense in our minds. It look. Is it that we don't know what to do regarding the massive needs of the world? No, we know what to do. Is it that we can't afford it? Oh, boy, can we afford it. Is it that we don't have a good enough reason to do it? Wrong, we do. We know. So, what shall we do? There's an intentional, almost schizophrenic portrayal of God in the gospel of Luke that we need to examine together right now as a part of our next step. Two dramatically opposite pictures. I'm telling you, almost bipolar. Picturing God that collaborate together to form a single prayer we must pray to move beyond the This Is My Church series. All in the context of this bouquet, still on the table. Both pictures are in Luke. They're just a few pages apart. Let's start with the first picture. Portrait number one. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. Just one line. Just one line. Luke 19. Portrait number one. I'll be in the NIV. You use your phone, tablet, Bible, whatever. You don't have one. Please pull out the uh, pew Bible in front of you. I'd like you to track this. It's just a single line. What's the page number? It's page 708. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Amazing. He burst into tears. Would you jot that down before we forget it? As he saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus wept. What's going on here? Well, it's Sunday late afternoon. This is the triumphal entry into into Jerusalem. Jesus is on the back of that little foal who's teetering back and forth with that heavy load. The people have gone wild with their boisterous cheers. Look, look, look at verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They are sur- sure that this is our promised Messiah. The king is here. And they are they're, they're tearing off their cloaks, their mantles. They're throwing it in front of the little donkey. A thousand palm branches waving wildly in the air triumphal entry, and they come right up to the brow. I've stood on that spot. They come up right up to the brow of the Mount of Olives. It's afternoon. The sun in all its glory is shining on the gilded dome of Jerusalem's temple. It's just a blaze. Jesus stops on that beast. He woes it to a stop and then bursts into tears. The God of the universe, the darling of heaven, bursting into tears. It's happening From that little apocalyptic classic, the great controversy, let me put the words on the screen for you. Fill it in, please, describing this very moment. the world's redeemer was overwhelmed with a sudden and mysterious sorrow. He, the Son of God, the promised one of Israel, whose power had conquered death and called its captives from the grave, was in tears. He is sobbing. Not tears of ordinary grief. But of intense, irrepressible agony. His tears were not for himself, though he well knew whether his feet were tending. He he knows where this path is going. Before him lay Gethsemane, the scene of his approaching agony. Not far distant was Calvary, the place of crucifixion. Yet it was not the contemplation of these scenes that cast a shadow upon Jesus in this hour of gladness. No foreboding of his own superhuman anguish clouded that unselfish spirit. Jesus wept. For the doomed thousands of Jerusalem, the majesty, the darling of heaven in tears, the son of the infinite God troubled in spirit, bowed down with anguish. The scene filled all heaven with wonder. Shhh. As they watch. End quote. And when he saw the city, he wept over it. Write it down, he weeps over a lost city in a lost world. And I have to ask you, I have to ask myself, when was the last time we wept over a lost city? When was the last time you wept over a lost city? Hmm? You say, "Well, you know really do I <laughs> we're kind of fortunate around here. We don't have a lost city near us. Are you serious? Benton Harbor. St. Joseph, Niles, Berrien Springs, South Bend. We, we don't have a lost city near us. Once upon a time I heard this sentence, I have never forgotten it. I wish I could give attribution to whom it belongs. There's several names circulating, so rather than name any of them, here's a sentence. I'll never forget it. I pray you will never forget it either. Would you jot it down, please? We must come to the place where what breaks the heart of God breaks our hearts, too. We must come to the place where what breaks the heart of God breaks our hearts, too. And when he saw the city, he wept over it, broke his heart. It was the raw and powerful manifestation of this shining, defining truth of the universe. God is love. The the heart of the God of love broke, and he burst into tears. Wow. Because it breaks God's heart whenever he loses a single child. Just a single child. Karen and I, this last weekend, went down to the big alumni homecoming for SMC, Southern Matrimonial College, where we both went, now called Southern Adventist University. And I had the privilege of preaching. And in their college church, by the way, Pastor Jose, in their college church, they run three services, 60 minutes long, 60 minutes long, with 15 minutes in between to empty and fill, empty and fill, empty and fill. I tell you what, by the end of the third one, at the end of the third one, I, there's a little Hispanic mother who comes right up, to the, right up to the platform. She says, I need to talk to you now. I said, sit right there. I'll be, be there. By the time I got to her, she's sh- still waiting. I sat down, and that mother is in tears. She grabs a piece of paper. She scribbles four names on it. I'm trying to read her handwriting. I'm saying, okay, okay I got it. She says, this is my son. This is his wife. These are their, their two children. She is sobbing over their salvation. Pushes the crumpled piece of paper into my hand. It's where I have worship every morning now, and I read those four names to God. I say, God, have you forgotten these four? Look at, if a, if a mother's heart can be broken over a single child, don't you suppose the heart of God weeps over seven billion children. And when, as I read here, and when he saw the city, he wept over it. Jot it down. Portrait number one, it's a portrait of God weeping over the lost. And portrait number two, the very opposite. I told you, bipolar, almost. Portrait number two, just four pages back, Luke 15. So we have these twin portraits, back-to-back in this Dramatic gospel. Luke, Luke 15, oh, you know this one. These are the three parables. Everybody loves the three parables. And by the way, may I remind you that every parable ends with a party. Every single one of these ends with a party. You don't believe me, watch this. Let's let's, let's pick up the first parable. Pick it up in verse 5. This is Luke 15, verse 5. And when he, the shepherd who's left the 99, who are safe to look for this one lost sheepie, when the shepherd, verse 9, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home, and then he calls his friends and his neighbors together. Did you get that? They come together. We're having a party. Come together. Now, I'm not telling you on the phone. You come over here. I'm not announcing it on Facebook. We're going to have the party together. He calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, Jesus now telling us about this defining truth on the center of the table of truth. I tell you, Jesus says, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Because God is love. Party time party time. Let's see, if he, let's see if that trend keeps up in the second parable. Verse 9, And when she... Oh, this is the woman. She has a ten-coin dowry. She's lost one of the silver pieces. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. Did you get that? She's not posting it. It's not on the phone. There's not an email. No, we're going to come together to celebrate this. She calls her friends and neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, Jesus says, Let's let's talk about this defining truth again. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the third, everybody loves the third story. It's the story of the prodigal father and also the prodigal son. They both were wasteful. The father wasteful with his love. The son wasteful with his father's inheritance. How does that story end? Guess how it ends. Same as the other two. Verse 22, and the father, as the boy has come, the father has just hugged him and wept over him. And the father says to the servants, quick, quick, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a party because God is love. For why, verse twenty-four, this son of mine was dead and is alive again; he was lost and is found. And so they began to party; they began to celebrate. Wow! Isn't that something? Henry Nouwen commenting on these three parables. Put the words on the screen for you. You'll need to fill in that first word: celebration. Write it down. Celebration. This is in his book, *The Return of the Prodigal Son*. Celebration belongs to God's kingdom. God not only offers forgiveness, reconciliation and healing, but he wants to lift up these gifts as a source of joy for all who witness them. In all three of the parables which Jesus tells to explain why he eats with sinners, God rejoices and invites others to rejoice with him. All these voices—the voice of the shepherd, the voice of the woman, the voice of the father—all these voices are the voices of God. God does not want to keep His joy to Himself. He wants everyone to share in it. God's joy is the joy of His angels and His saints. It is the joy of all who believe, who belong to the kingdom. Period. End quote. If. Portrait number one is about God weeping over the lost, then jot it down. Portrait number two is about God celebrating over the found. Wow. <laughs> Way to go, Luke. Push these up as close as you can. If Portrait 1 teaches us that we must come to the place where what breaks the heart of God breaks my heart too, then Portrait 2 teaches us, would you jot this down, please? We must come to the place where what elates the heart of God elates my heart too. What drives him into elation and celebration needs to drive me into elation and celebration too. And when he saw the city, he wept over it. That's Luke 19. And here's Luke 15. And when he saw the boy, he wept over him. The city, because it was lost. The boy, because he was found. A breaking heart for the city. A bursting heart for the child. That's God. That's this defining truth. That's the way God is. He's both. And what is it that breaks and then elates God's heart? Jot it down. Just look at Jesus, heartbroken over the lost and ecstatic over the found. That's what lights up the darling of heaven today. Keep writing. It's the truth about God. Because of the lost and the found, he lives with a simultaneously happy, broken heart. How do you do that? Just like God. He lives with a happy broken heart. You say, hey, listen, Dwight, what's all this have to do with Bono and you and me and the commitments we made last week? Well, let's, 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 let's uh, tease that out. Bono is concerned about 15, the 15,000 people who die a day from preventable, curable de- diseases in Africa. And by the way, rightly so, we should be concerned as well. He says we need to be doing something about it, and we should. But I say, let's just kick the bar up even higher. Let's kick this bar up way high. Not only do 15,000 Africans die daily from curable diseases, but hold on to your seat. So do the 172,800 people who die daily on this planet from all causes. Do you know what, the Earth, do you know what Earth's death rate is? Every second. Two. 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 Two people die on this planet every second. So that's 120. That's 120 every minute. That's 7,200 every hour. That's that's 172,800 every 24 hours. 172,000 people die every minute. And how many, how many of those 172,000 go into Christ's graves? How many of them? How many go with no hope of eternity? How many go to the grave, no hope of salvation? How many go to the grave, no cure for their fatal disease of sin? Look, I, I returned just a month ago from two weeks in Tokyo. All right, 128 million people—if they would die if they would die in mass today, 128 million, almost all of them would go into a Christless grave. Those who profess. Faith in Christ, one-half of one percent in Japan. Those who are part of your community of faith and mine, one-hundredth of one percent. And that's just, that's just Japan. You want to talk about the 1.4 billion Muslims on this planet? Add the 172,800 who die every 24 hours on this earth. How many of them are going into a crisis grave the next 23 hours and 59 minutes? How many of them will go into a crisis grave? But is it, you know, you know to Bono, what's, this is what's so stirring about Bono, is he's calling for activism, social activism, communal activism, Western activism. But is anybody calling for spiritual activism? Anybody calling for soul-saving activism? 172,000 every 24 hours are going into crisis graves. How many of them? And when he saw the city, when he saw the city, he wept over it. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your friend, Lord, and Savior for the, during the David Asherick meetings last week, or if you accepted Jesus Christ as your friend, Lord, and Savior during the last year, or even during the last decade, or even during the last half a century, it doesn't matter when, If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, Savior, and friend, then His happy, broken heart belongs to you and me too. It belongs to us. Which means we must pray the prayer, Oh God, please give me your happy, broken heart. It's a simple prayer that says, I want to have a heart that rejoices with the found. I want to have a heart that weeps over the lost. Oh God, please give me your happy, broken heart. You know these little emoji, these little emoji figures that we all text around? That's a Japanese word, by the way. You didn't know that. It's a Japanese word. The Japanese invented the emoji. They have 500 of them, every little symbol you need. So I send them when I text. If you wanted to put this with an emoji, you want to tweet it, you want to text this, this would be the one line if I were tweeting from uh, this teaching. It would be this. I'd do it this way. Oh, God, please give me your happy, broken heart. Oh, God, please give me your happy, broken heart. That's the prayer to pray. That's the prayer. God, give me your happy, broken heart. Bonham appeals to us to make a difference in Africa. Let me put put Bono back on the screen. Deep down, if we really accept that their lives, African lives, are equal to ours, we would all be doing more to put the fire out. It's an uncomfortable truth, end quote, which is precisely Jesus' point. And when he saw the city, he wept over it. What Jesus is saying is, hey, hey, I want your heart to be broken with what breaks my heart. I want your heart to be elated with what elates my heart. So go into the whole world with my happy, broken heart. Africa, yes. Americas, yes. Australia, yes. Europe, yes. Anywhere on earth. Go for me with my happy, broken heart. Bono is right. He's absolutely right. If we really accept, now listen, if we really accept that their lives their lives are equal, then it is unconscionable not to be responding to their need. Those 172,800, if we really accept that their lives are equal to ours, then it's unconscionable for us to allow 172,000 to go into crisis graves every day and just sit back here and say, I'm having a great time. I love that worship music, by the way. Bring on some more. It's unconscionable. We can pack this church for weeks on end, feeding ourselves. We have to now turn. That's why David came. We have to turn to a world around us. If this is true, if, if this is the shining, defining truth of the universe, then we cannot just say, I had a great time, and I'm going I'm to hunker down with what I have. You cannot. Not if you got it. Not if you really got it. It has to be shared. It has to be shared. It has to be shared. It's no good. It'll corrupt. It it, it will corrupt if you keep it and don't share. It will turn foul and sour. And that's why, by the way, in a lot of Adventist churches and Baptist churches and Episcopalian churches, people are at each other's throats because it's turned sour. They have no way to share, no interest to share. They're just trying to straighten each other out. We'll never get it straight. David was right. Clear the deck. Start over. And let's make this the defining truth. I mean, just look at the cross, please. If we really—this is Bono—if we really accept that their lives are equal to ours, we would all be doing more to put the fire out in Benton Harbor, the Harbor of Hope Church Plant. We would be up there. We would. We would. In St. Joseph. In Berrien Springs. Ah, oh, fill it out, will you? Our last fill in, next to the last. If we really accept that their lives are equal to ours, we would all be doing more to find the lost. And as Bono says, put the fire out. So he did at Calvary. Jesus' heart broke on the Mount of Olives, but it broke to smithereens on the Mount called Calvary. His heart, gone, just broke and he died. I want you to have my happy broken heart. Go into all the world for me with my happy broken heart broken heart. Oh God, please give me Your happy, broken heart. I want to close with these words of John Wesley. I just came across them this week I just said, wow, does this put it all in perspective or what? Would you jot it down, please? I'll go slow through it. John Wesley, the great, the great preacher, revivalist, the greatest revival in the history of Christianity took place in England. Under this man and his brother Charles, and a old band of intrepid souls. John Wesley wrote these words, Do all the good you can. Fill in the blanks, please. Do all the good you can. By all the means you can. In all the ways you can. In all the places you can. At all the times you can. To all the people you can, as long as you ever can. It's good, isn't it? Do all the good you can. Hey, grab your, grab your Connect card here as we get ready to leave. So what's the next step with this next step? Pull your Connect card out. Uh, guests, we're glad to have you. If you will just join us, because we do this every week, if you would just put your name, what you're comfortable with uh, in terms of demographic information, put your email address. If you need some information, put your email address there because there will be a chance to ask for information. Uh, th- th- then, uh, guests, turn the card over. We call this backside of the card the, the next step side. And here are, here are five next steps recommended. One of them we're going to throw out because it's no longer true. Well, let's go. Number one, box number one. My next step today is to pray the prayer, oh God, please give me your happy broken heart. Would you be willing to pray that prayer with me? Put a check mark there. That's not a heroics, is it? Number two, now here it gets specific. Number two, my next step today is to pray for five lost people. Do you know five people who do not know Jesus? Do you know five people who do not know Jesus? If some of you are saying, I can't think of a soul, you're living in an insular world that needs to be broken out of immediately. If the only people you know are saved, something's wrong. Something's not right. You got put here to reach the lost. Oh, God, give me your happy broken heart. Write down five lost people. Just put them on a piece of paper, and every morning, from now on, every morning, until God pours out the Spirit, we're claiming in Isaiah 43, every morning pray for five lost people, and see if God will not begin to answer your prayer. You, it, will, it will stun you. It will stun you. If you're a member of my grow group, we're already doing this. Every day we're praying for five lost people. Five lost people. Okay. Can you put a check mark there to pray for five lost people? Number number three, can I help in the Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, we were going to work with, we are going to partner with New Life Church, and we just found out last night that uh, they're pulling back because there are so many, apparently, Thanksgiving dinners being planned in Berrien Springs on the same day we said, uh, Chaplain Nixon said, no, we're not going to do it. So, if... Box number, box number four. Box number four, I'll, I, I want to be, be earnest about this. I, my next step today is to volunteer at Harbor of Hope's inner city mission. Young Pastor Taurus Montgomery, they just, the guy's dynamite. We need you bad in Benton Harbor, that inner city. If you would be willing to volunteer, all you have to do is put a check mark here. Somebody will make sure we have your email address. somebody will be in touch with you. You can decide, do I want to do this or not? You can put a check mark on all five if you wish. We need help up in Benton Harbor. How many people die a night and day between Benton Harbor, St. Joseph and Bering Springs? How many die and go into a crisis grave? And final box. Uh, My next step today is to become a student missionary. I'll tell you what, after being in Japan, (laughs) every time I get a chance, I'm making an appeal now for missionaries. You'll see this coming up again and again, post-Asterix. Yep, you got to act on this. God is love. You must act on it. If you're interested in being a student missionary, just put a check mark there. We'll send your name in. You'll get an email back saying, here's what you can do to inquire more. Nobody's forcing you. You have nothing to lose, but I ask you to open yourself up. Oh, God, please give me your happy broken heart. Jesus will give you his happy broken heart, and it may give you the strength to take a year out of your academic pursuit here and go somewhere on this planet and serve the God, the darling of heaven, with the happy broken heart. Turn the card upside down. Our ushers, friendly ushers, are coming to you right now. But I want to pray over these decisions. Dear God, we want the heart of Jesus. We, Jesus said, If you see me, you've seen the Father. It's your heart, Father. Happy, broken, happy over the found, ecstatic, but broken and weeping over the lost. We have to help you with the lost. That's why we got put on this planet. That's why you came to us and said, Could you help me, please? This is too much for me to do alone. So, Father, give us your heart, happy broken heart, Jesus' heart, and then send us into this world that awaits us with a happy broken heart for our God who is love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.